It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cattles. It is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cattles, brought to you by our friends at Athletic Greens, your one-stop shopping for 75 high-quality vitamins to help you start your day right. And also, betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on sports. Greg, let's talk about Monday night's game against the Arizona Cardinals in Arizona. Your overall thoughts on the game after watching the film? Uh, I thought it was um, a pretty pathetic NFL game, you know, to tell you the truth. It was, especially once Kyler Murray went out after the third play of the game. Um, yeah. You know, it just kind of felt like almost like a preseason game uh, between the Cardinals and the Patriots. I mean, I, I just, you know, at the end of the day, I think, you know, if Murray plays in the game and the Patriots defense does a good job and, and they get out of there with a victory, even though that's what we are all were expecting, even if Murray played in the game, you know, that would have been something that you could take out of this game. I, I just don't know. I just don't know what you can take out of this game at this point. I mean, the Patriots offense was pedestrian. They threw a bunch of screens, a bunch of quick games. The couple plays that they threw down the field uh, were basically blown coverages, bad defense by the Cardinals. Uh, you know, the Patriots go ahead, get the game-winning score when DeAndre Hopkins just drops the ball and Raekwon McMillan pa- picks it up and goes in for a touchdown. The Patriots got most of their pressure after that point as far as the defense. Yeah, Josh Uche did a nice job, and so did Matthew Judon. Um, but, uh, I just had a hard time, you know, thinking of very much to take away from this game other than a couple things. Um, the Patriots rookies, the guys who, who, the younger guys who got a shot in this game due to injuries, they did a nice job. They know how to handle themselves against a bad football team. And that's what this Cardinals team is. It's a bad football team at this point. They might've had promise earlier in the season. That's long over, especially now with Murray on the shelf. And um, and the Patriots, once they get the score in their favor defensively, uh, they can do some damage. They can close out a game and, and get pressure. The problem is with this offense, will that ever happen very much? I don't know. So, look, I hate to be Debbie Downer, but, you know, it was just – it was one of those games where you watch it on your film and you're just like – it was almost as bad as watching it live, you know, which you all did where we're just like – Oh my God, do I really have to watch this? But, you know, that's where they are at this point. 
the the first half was brutal. The first half especially was just absolutely awful to watch. It, it's you know, it's it's week after week with this team where it's not necessarily a, a fun, exciting venture to sit down for three hours and watch them play football. And and that was the same thing on Monday night. As far as uh, Uche and Judon, look, I think Uche obviously has popped the last couple of weeks. The the question is, Greg, is there a reason for excitement? I mean, you you can go back to Monday night and say, well, the Cardinals had a bunch of injuries up front. Their offensive line isn't great. But when I'm watching, if you can get a semblance of a rush, even if you don't get what you're getting exactly from Uche the last two weeks, but you're, I think you go back to early in the season. I saw this tweet from Evan Lazar. Uh, you know, he's got like a 26% win rate or something along those lines, which is like second to miles Garrett going back to like week two or three. So, you know, Uche has really developed and stepped up and made some plays reason for excitement with, with Uche and Judon on the edges, two athletic guys who can get to the quarterback. Uh, I mean, you know, a little bit. I mean, they, they've certainly shown you, you know, something. Um, you know, I, I don't think that they were all that effective when the Patriots were losing two games. And like and and part of, you know, a lot of times I don't like numbers because, you know, you can't compare Miles Garrett, who plays every down. And so he has to rush in every sort of situation to Josh Uche, who is a sub really a sub package rusher and plays more when the score gets tilted in their favor or they have to rush or the the opponent has to pass. He he only rushes in prime time prime pass rushing situations. So to me I I I throw that stat out the window. I mean, you know, it others are are, are can certainly disagree with that. Um and yeah, you know, I like those guys. I mean, I, I, I watched that game and I'm just like, you know, I, I keep having thoughts of, well, why didn't they put him on the field last year? You know, and this is when, you know, I was screaming all year, like, can we get Uche on the field? Because at least I know he has speed and it just takes Belichick so long to put some of these guys on the field. And it's just, you know, disappointing. I mean, it's, it's good that they do have a combo there. The problem is to unlock that combo the Patriots have to be up two scores. And I don't see that happening very often from here on out. Fair enough. I would, I would say, first of all, I don't think Evan was trying to compare miles Garrett to Uche. It's no, I'm sure he wasn't. That, yeah. You know, the, the effectiveness of Uche, but I would say at least he's making more of his opportunity. And, and at least, you know, when he is out there it is an immediate impact, which, which is nice to see. It is a positive amongst the season that hasn't had, you know, a ton of positives. The fact that when he's out there and they give him the opportunity to make a difference, he's doing it consistently now. So I know Judon said a lot of nice things about Uche in the, in the post game, calling him the best pass rusher on the team. I, you know, I, I, I think Judon's being a good teammate there, but it is, it is nice to see at least when he is out there and they, they give him the chance to make a play, he's making plays more often than he has in the past, which is improvement. Let's jump to the offensive side. I saw your tweet on Monday night uh, about Matt Patricia's screen playbook or whatever with the, with the giant book and the guys flipping through the pages. <laughs> there was a, there was a lot of talk Greg on Monday about Matty P's screen game. And, you know, during the Josh McDaniels years, I, I always wanted them to throw a couple of more screens. 
but Matt Patricia literally threw, I think the most screens that we've seen in a football game. There was some kind of stat they showed during Monday night football saying they threw 11 screens at that point. They might've thrown more after that play. Um, in that it was like one of the highest screen games in the NFL or, or the most screens called in a game this year, your thoughts about the offensive approach on Monday night and, and what Matt Patricia called. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm trying to choose my words carefully. Um, yeah, I thought it was one of the most pathetic displays of NFL offense that I've ever seen in terms of what they did. I don't care really about the end result. I mean, like, look, if this was and, and I've seen the Patriots have approaches like this against some sort of dominating front where they say, you know, we're not even a, we're not even going to try to run the ball because they're so good inside. We're just going to spread. We're going to throw quick like, OK, yeah, I get it. I see that. You know, if this was the 49ers on the other team, I could see the Patriots taking that approach and I would be on board. I get it. I understand. You're worried about, you know, Bosa and Armstead and all these guys. I get it. The freaking Arizona Cardinals, like that defense <laughs> is a clown show. It's terrible. Like they they came in DVOA, one of the worst in the league. The worst Defense in terms of scoring, the worst red zone defense in the league. And you got to play scared like that? I mean, seriously, Nick, it was like this is if you go out to a high school field on Friday night and you see like, you know, for instance, I live in Medway, Tri-Valley League, go Tri-Valley League. If I go to Medway Stadium and I see Medway, which is usually, you know, they struggle a little bit in football, you know, near the bottom of the TVL and they're going against, say, Holliston, who you know, competes for a Super Bowl every year. Medway would come out and say, you know, look, we can't, we can't go to toe to toe with these guys. We just can't. So we're just going to throw bubble screens and quick games and draws. And, you know, we're going to take our chances. We're going to take our shots once in a while, but they got to be really good and things like that. That's basically what the Patriots did against the Arizona freaking Cardinals. And I, I can tell you, I am in, and I, I don't even see all the tweets on my timeline, but I put out, you know, a tweet today and, and my tweet said, not sure I've seen an NFL offense. So scared, timid as the Patriots on Monday night, they approached it like an overmatched high school team. You could understand it against say the 49ers, but the, but the Cardinals, what is going on? And I got to tell you, the excuse making is just over the top. I mean, Oh, well, their offensive line isn't very good. You know, they they have injuries. They lost their running backs. You know, they lost uh, Devontae Parker. Like, the crying, the whining is just pathetic. First of all, Nick, correct me, correct me if I'm wrong here. Yes, the Patriots had Con Connor McDermott at right tackle. I understand that. Did they not have four of their other other starters out there? Yes. Four or five starters. Like guys, you know, except Cole Strange, he's a rookie. First round pick. This is, you know, game number 13 now. He's not a rookie anymore. You have Trent Brown, who you paid. You have Danny, David Andrews, who you paid. Michael Wynn, who was one of the best right guards in, in, in football. You know, you can deal with an injury at one tackle spot. You have, I mean, the Cardinals don't have like four of their five offensive linemen. And they're they're doing a little bit more on offense than you with their backup quarterback, mind you, who didn't even run this game plan, the game plan for this game coming in. 
um, you know, you lose. Okay, you didn't have Jacoby Myers. Okay, I mean, you know, it's not like we're talking about, I don't know, Devontae Adams or anything like that. Or, you know, when you lost Devontae Parker, I understand, but you still have Kendrick Bourne, you still have Hunter Henry, you still have John U. Smith, guys you're paying out the wazoo. You know, you still have Tyquan Thornton, who you drafted, who's been getting reps. You have, I mean, and the running back situation, I don't want to hear any crying about the running back situation. Damian Harris gets hurt all the time. They've been running Ramondre Stevenson into the ground. They refuse to sign a veteran running back. They refuse to put one like a Brandon Bolden type on this roster the whole time. They made their bed to go with the rookies. They made their bed. They won't even elevate J.J. Taylor. They made their bed. I don't want to hear any freaking excuses about the Patriots offense against the freaking Arizona Cardinals in week 13. I don't want to hear it. There are no excuses. What they showed on on Monday night was a pathetic high school offense. And they should not be running that in week week 13. And to me, it's about the offensive line and it's about the coach. I think think Matt Patricia came to the realization or Bill Belichick told him, look, you obviously have no clue how to script a downfield passing game. So this is what we're going to do. And we can't run inside because we can't block. Uh, the offensive line that you coach can't block the run or the pass. So we're just going to, instead of running the ball outside because we can't get outside on anything, we're just going to throw quick passes and extension of the, of the running game. And so that's the offense that they ran. There are no excuses. This is where they are by their own doing from coaching and personnel. And I don't want to hear any excuses and sorry for ranting, but God, I'm sick of this crap. (laughs) <laughs> well, it's it's your job today to rant. I ranted last week on both episodes, so it's it's okay if you vent a little bit. Look, I, I'm going to try to thread the needle here, and it's a very okay. difficult to thread. The offensive approach and the game plan is the game plan. It's the offensive approach, um, and, and you're going into that game with that plan no matter who is on the field, right? I mean, Matt Patricia and Bill Belichick and Mac Jones and Joe Judge and – uh, Rothstein, Rothstein, whatever the hell his name is. He might be involved in the offense now, like Greg reported last week with the passing game. The, the collective minds in New England came up with that plan. And that was the plan before the injuries. That's what they wanted to do in the game, right? I, I don't think any of us believe that Matt Patricia is good enough, with all due respect there, Matty P., to on the fly completely overhaul the offensive game plan when Devontae Parker and Ramondre Stevenson go down. So it's just, no, that that's, they went into Monday night with that plan. So I don't think the injuries impacted the plan. However, I will say going into the game, I said they'd score 23 points or so. And I, I, I said that last week, again, check Mark for us. We were right against the spread. Uh, we, we've done pretty well this year. If you've been keeping count, but I said 23 points. I think I said 23 to 17. And, you know, you, you look at the fumble by Hopkins and the scoop and score, the offense scored 20 points. So I, I wasn't surprised that they scored, you know, 20 offensive points on Monday night, uh, even though that is one of the worst defenses in the league. With that said, I, I do give them some credit to continue to do enough. And, and I'm not telling you it was an unbelievable offensive display or that any of the stuff that Greg said about building this team is incorrect or that Matt Patricia, you know, is a good offensive line coach or a good OC. None of that is true right now. 
But I do give them some credit that, you know, you're down your top two receivers. Your third receiver, Nelson Aguilar, is the most inconsistent dude I've ever seen play the game of football this year. He'll make a spectacular catch. He'll make a couple of catches. Then he'll drop two footballs. He'll fumble something. So, you know, one of the only receivers that you trust can't consistently catch the ball. And so you you also lose your best offensive player this season in Ramondre Stevenson. And I do think that that's a big deal. And so I, I do credit some of the guys, Pierre Strong and Kevin Harris and Kendrick Bourne, those guys making the plays and then Mac Jones. I will say that they deserve some of cre- some of the credit that people I think are, are throwing their way because of dealing with the adversity. But again, the offense and the big picture and going into this game, it's not good enough. It hasn't been good enough. And I don't think any of us believe it's going to be good enough. Um, the Cardinals, let's talk about this team. They stink. I don't think they're well coached. They lost their starting quarterback on the third play of the game. But Greg, you know, you're, you're watching and, and you're saying to yourself, man, if, if th- this team has an opportunity right now, to at least keep this game close, if not beat the Patriots on Monday night. But they just kept shooting themselves in the foot. I thought the Patriots were were very fortunate that the Cardinals could not help themselves but screw things up on their end. Yeah, I mean, you know, look, they missed that field goal early. You know, that happens. Um, they had a fumble from with the running back just like the the Patriots did. But to me, the critical juncture in this game was uh Starting with the third and one play, you know, right before they went for it and Jelani Tavai got his hand on it. First of all, the third and one play, the play that Judon made, I don't know if you remember the play, Nick, but uh, the two blockers on the left side, and I think one might have been a tackle and one was a tight end or there were two tight ends that all of a yeah. sudden they went out to the left. They didn't block Judon there on, on the end. And I was watching that game. Uh, I was watching that play on film today and that's a Kyler Murray play like that is supposed to be a legitimate read option there where if Judon does what he does, which is crash down on the back. Like if Kyler's there, he, he pulls the ball back and he runs around left end. They get it. You know, it's probably a big play or something like that. And so I can't believe that Kingsbury called that play (laughs) for Colt McCoy when there was no option on the play. Um, so then they go to fourth down, and it's actually a good call. And the dude is wide open, and Colt McCoy, because he's 36 years old and he's Colt McCoy, makes a terrible throw. Like that Jelani Tavai can get his hand on. That's not a great play by Tavai. It's good that he made the play that was right there, but that's a bad play by the Cardinals. I, and just to go for it there, Nick, I don't know how you felt about it, but in the moment, and even, you know, I – tweeted this at the time like dude take the points put the Patriots down two scores and you know hopefully he makes the 49 yard field goal there now you're up nine now you're 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 burning more clock because first of all I I did not understand it from Cliff like they had just burned their last time out there's 36 seconds left do you really think you're getting a touchdown at the end of the drive if the answer was no with no timeouts with this outfit more likely they trip on themselves and have a holding call. Now they're out of field goal range. Like he should have kicked it, run a little clock, like the four or five seconds for the field goal, then kicked off in play, ran a little bit of clock. And then probably the Patriots take a couple knees and they go in, you know, at halftime. And now they're down two scores going in at halftime. Instead, 
Cliff calls two stupid plays, go forward on fourth down. They don't execute. Now the Patriots get it back. They go down. They kick a field goal. They try to give it away themselves with a, a fumble on their own. And they kick a field goal to cut the deficit to three. And then they come out of halftime. And, you know, and there it is. Like that, to me, that was the game. I don't know how you saw that sequence. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Look, I, I don't think Kingsbury is a good coach. And you go back to his history in college when he was under 500 as a college coach and somehow, some way landed the gig because... I don't know. They, they wanted him to coach Kyler Murray. And I think he just screams coach who doesn't necessarily read the room or understand the situation. They, they go for it a lot on fourth down in the other team's territory, which look, you know, depending on the situation, fine, but you don't have your starting quarterback. You call a play that really is a, a Kyler Murray play, as you said, Greg, on that third down. It, it's not reading the room. It's it's the, you know, the KYP, know your personnel. You can't call that mm-hmm. play with Colt McCoy. And so, yeah, I just don't think he's a very good coach. I do wonder, it'd be interesting to, to talk to Judon about it. I do wonder if Judon was so aggressive and played that third down the way he did because Colt McCoy was in the game, or if that was just his oh, natural instinct. For like sure. you said, if Murray's in there. You know, if, if Murray's in there, does he does he play it more conservatively and kind of hold the edge versus, you know, screaming across the field, knowing, well, <laughs> I don't really have to worry about Colt McCoy beating me with his legs. So, yeah, for I just, sure. I, I just don't I, I think thought that, Nick, I thought that went on all game. I mean, I think that's part of the re- if Kyler Murray's back there, even if the Cardinals are down two scores, there's no way the Patriots are rushing that hard. Uh, against him so Uche and Judon don't get the sacks I think you know obviously I think that definitely turned them loose and I think Judon you know he's like whatever like Colt McCoy is gonna beat me even if I mess up here like Colt McCoy like nobody's gonna catch Colt McCoy and get him so I thought it was definitely a big factor in this game yeah it's interesting somebody tweeted at me at Nick C radio by the way at Nick C radio saying well you know if this pass rush doesn't get it going against this offensive line and I tweeted back and said, well, I don't know if the, the defense is going to be super aggressive because Kyler Murray, like this, this might be a game where you're not trying to get to the quarterback. You're just trying to keep him in the pocket for as long as possible. And obviously that flip flops as soon as Colt McCoy goes into the game, my overall thoughts before we get to athletic greens and then talk about this defense, my overall thoughts walking out of Monday night were like, Hey, look, it, it's always important to win a football game. That's, that's the point. You're trying to win games. I, I think it's even more important to win a football game when you're on the road and you do face some adversity with some of the injuries they had to deal with. 
But ultimately, I was texting with a friend yesterday. This team is a meh team. It's a meh team in a meh league. Like that, like that's what it is. Troy Aikman said it on Monday night. Brady said it like week two, week three, when they asked him about parody or whatever the hell. And he said, honestly, what I see is just a lot of bad football. There's just a lot of average teams in the league. Like that and the Patriots are smack dab in the middle. They they are who they are. They they are who we thought they would be. Before the season, I said nine wins. Greg might have said nine wins. We knew they would be hovering around seven and six, eight and five at this point. We knew the offense, unless Belichick had something up his sleeve that none of us really understood. We knew the offense was probably going to be pretty bad or, or at least mid. And that's what they are with Matt Patricia. We knew Patricia had too much on his plate. Like all of these, like, I'm not really surprised by anything this season by this team they're, they're they're a mediocre football team and they play against bad teams and other mediocre teams and in this nfl you can squeak out you know seven eight nine wins because that's just what this league is they're not they're not anywhere near a true contender so i, I just kind of walked away from monday night saying yeah the game wasn't great the team's not great be happy with a win because it's better than a loss and they dealt with some adversity but this team's not like any it, no one's getting excited about this team and if you are, I, I appreciate your excitement. I mean, I, I guess I, I wish I could be excited about that. <laughs> and I, I wish I could be excited about these games. But that that was my main takeaway was like this team is pretty much meh. That That's what they've been all year. And, and that's what they continue to be. Um, before we get to the defense, Greg, specifically, tell us about Athletic Greens. I started taking AG1 because I wanted to make sure I was getting all the vitamins and nutritional supplements I needed in one place. Now I've been on it for five months and I love it. It doesn't taste like it's super healthy. It's kind of has a mild tropical taste, a little minty, and I actually look forward to it each morning. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all the things you're looking for. I take it first thing in the morning. It's now part of my routine, and I'd be lost without it. I love how it contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting good. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. It would make a great Christmas gift for somebody in your life. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D, which is huge during these winter months. It's already, I got freaking snow on the ground, Nick, already. And five free travel packs Oof. with your purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Bedard. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash Bedard to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. I miss a lot about New England. One of the things I don't miss is snow. All right, so defensively, we've we've talked about a lot of these things already. Like the Cardinals helped. You were facing Colt McCoy. What do you think Bill Belichick is thinking about his defense after watching this film? Um, I think that he's. I think he's thinking that they need to tighten some things up. Um, I think that, you know they did some good things in this game. I mean, you know, I thought, I thought, you know, Marcus Jones 
did a nice job when he was pressed into service on defense, especially. Football's um, funny of football. Yeah, it was. Dude, it was dude, special teams, defense, offense. Is he, soon he's going to take a snap at quarterback. Marcus Jones all of a sudden has become the the guy who's doing everything. Iron Man football for Marcus Jones on Monday night. Which, by the way, just quickly before you continue. I know people are getting excited about Marcus Jones on offense and I am too. Like I, I think there's legit potential there and we've seen it. I don't think it was a good idea to continue to him to, to play him on, on, on Monday night on that side of the ball. When Jack Jones goes down with a knee injury and your secondary is floundering, you don't have Jalen mills. You don't have Jack Jones. Um, let's put Marcus Jones in the back pocket offensively until you're healthy in the secondary. I, I thought it was, you get, get the, you've got him playing snaps one-on-one -on -one outside against Deandre Hopkins. And then he's going out there to run jet sweep motion pre-snap. Like it, I just, I didn't like him playing in the game offensively after Jack Jones went down. I, I thought that should have been an adjustment and God forbid if that dude got hurt after catching a, a screen pass from Mac Jones, and then you're down another cornerback. I thought that was ill-advised anyway. Come on. Sean Wade, you still have Sean Wade. I mean, he looked awesome oh in the game. When he got... That third down against Robbie Anderson. Yeah. My man looked like he was running in quicksand. My freaking goodness. Yo, I mean, it's not only the offensive snaps, Nick. He still returned kicks in the game. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you can't put anybody else out there. I mean, that's when it really, like, I was like, all right, settle down. Like, somebody tackle Belichick before, you know, he has him punt the ball or something like that. But, you know, I, I think that I think that Bill will like his sub rush. I thought, you know, the combo of Ekawale, uh, Judon, mm. and Uche did some nice things. Um, but, you know, look, I, I, on defense, again, you know, with no Kyler Murray, I mean, the facts are the are what the facts are. I mean, the Patriots have beaten one starting quarterback this year. That's Jared Goff. When things were going poorly uh, for the Lions and somebody and a quarterback who Bill Belichick always owns, like he freaks out as soon as he sees Bill Belichick. That's it. Other than that, all the guys are backups. And, you know, it's some of it's not fair. I understand. Um you know, but that's just sort of where they are and why I was sort of bummed. I mean, if the Patriots won that game and Kyler Murray played and they held him down, they did a nice job. Like, you know, you would have been like, okay, all right, well, that's something. All right. You know, but I don't know. I really couldn't take anything. I mean, Colt McCoy is very limited. You know, I heard your old buddy, you know, Adam Jones talking about how like, yeah, Colt McCoy and Mac Jones are the same person, like reading off their stats. I mean, obviously, it's Jones being Jones. But, you know, I mean, Colt McCoy is just like his arm for, isn't even close to what Mac Jones is, is. And, you know, watching Colt McCoy operate, it, it illustrates sort of the line between like viable quarterback and backup level quarterback. And it's to me, it's the anticipation, the timing that you throw balls. So many of his balls were late some of them were on time and some of them were a little early some of the little seam passes to hopkins those were nice but the ones where he had to drive down the field uh they were always late and it sort of played in and his lack of athletic ability completely played into what the patriots wanted to do and what the you know the patriots have all that problem so many problems with athletic quarterbacks that all went out the windows they could pin their ears back you know it was advantage patriots at that point yeah, I think you look at the first two and a half quarters or so. That's how I split the game up. Like from the middle of the third quarter 
through the rest of the game, I thought the defense showed out and they played well. I especially think the front seven played well. And we've talked about Colt McCoy and, and why that was, but really the first two and a half quarters, I was disappointed in the defensive line. Uh, they weren't getting a lot of pass rush at all on McCoy. And really the most troubling thing to me against mostly backups up front in a very traditional kind of power run game with James Conner, the Patriots did not play against the run well. And, you know, first and 10, Connor with Colt McCoy at quarterback and a backup offensive lines ripping off like six, seven yards. He's ripping off five, six yard runs all the time on first and second down. And so I was disappointed in the defensive line through the first two and a half quarters. They got better as the game went on. And as Greg has mentioned, uh, you know, uh, at least a good portion of that is because of the score and the situation. And they knew that McCoy would have to throw the football and, and it makes it a little bit easier, but I, I was disappointed in their inability to cause chaos up front to the first two and a half quarters of this game. That, that was a disappointment to me. The secondary wasn't good. Of course, you also were down two of your top three corners. So, and uh, you know, you've got Devin McCourty and, and we all love Devin. We all love Devin, but when you get trucked by Colt McCoy, you might not want to show your face for a couple of days. That was, that was a rough one, Devin getting trucked by Colt. That was, that was a rough one. And hopefully he's healthy because the shoulder could be an issue and the level of competition, the defense is beaten. You mentioned it, Greg, you know, it's fair. Uh, I, I do not put it all on, you know, the wins and losses though on the defense. Uh, let's be honest. If, if the offense was better, I think the defense would be better. The, the, the defense has had a tough hand. You don't have an offense going on long drives. You don't have the time of possession game. You, you know, so I, I do think they've been up against it a little bit because as you wrote last week and, and Phil Perry and others, you know, in the locker room, there was some tension in the locker room. There was frustration and about the offense. And some of that frustration was coming from defensive players. Cause they're like, what mm -hmm. the hell? Like we're, we're trying to play our ass off and this offense can't move the damn ball. They can't score in the red zone. So I, I do think we got to talk a little bit about that as well. All right, before we get to uh, the member question of the day, quick version of the uh, three up, three down, Greg. So I'm going to go with the two edge rushers, Uche and Judon, uh, as my number one and two. I'm also going to put Marcus Jones in there. And I do want to give a shout out to um, Mac Jones as well. I thought Mac, I thought Mac played well in this game um, when given the opportunity and given protection. I thought he he tightened up his mechanics from what we saw at the end of the Bills game. For the most part, it was better. He sailed that one pass to Aguilar. Other than that, I thought he was dead on target in this game. To me, that that means he took the layoff a little bit. Uh, either worked on it himself, maybe went to see Tom House because I thought it was better. I thought he had some heat. On some passes, things would have looked a lot better if Nelson Aguilar wasn't dropping balls. And I even had Stevenson and Johnu Smith for drops in this game. Um, but given what he was given in this game, I thought Mac Jones was really good. And to me, I guess I should have mentioned that, that, that you know, that was something that I took away. Like, okay, you know, now can they block anything and actually call a cohesive offense for Mac Jones to – to lead a real NFL offense going forward, that remains to be seen. Yeah, the touchdown drive I thought was was fun. He took what was there. He didn't try to do too much. 
Uh, I also thought for the most part, not every single snap, not every single drop back, but I thought for the most part, he was decisive in this game. There, there wasn't as much hesitancy. There wasn't as much, you know, double pumping or kind of looking around. He, he was pretty decisive. And uh, Dan Orlovsky did a really good job of breaking down the Hunter Henry play down the seam when he shows Mac Jones and, you know, he tweeted out Mac can play. And during that, during that play to, to Henry down the seam, you know, Orlovsky showed that first, you know, Mac kind of looked to his left to draw the safety a yard or two to his left. And then he went to his right and he kind of, he opened up, he opened up to his right to make the coverage believe like he was going to throw it, you know, that side of the field. And then he kind of quickly flipped over to Henry and nailed him. So Look, was Henry that, the, was was that the one? Was that the one in the left or the right seam? The left one that Buda Baker right almost scene. got there in time. The right side. Okay, yeah that right that side. play was that play was tremendous. I mean, he was wide open, but hit him perfectly in stride. Looked off the safety like that was really nice. The other one, he looked off the safety a little bit, but man, he was lucky. He didn't throw it with very much heat, and he kind of threw it flat footed, and he got away with it. But yeah. that was dicey. That was a dangerous one. But Orlovsky's point on the on the seam down the right side was that, yeah, he was wide open, but Mac helped him get that wide open with some eye manipulation and, you know, kind of throwing his, his body open to the right side to open up that too as well. So if you, if you go find Orlovsky's tweet about it, he's got like a minute, minute 10 video on it. And I thought Mac was good. Three down. Uh, let's see. Uh, Connor McDermott, um, just not. Yep. They couldn't find anybody better. Again, personnel choices. You couldn't draft draft a tackle. Um, the Raiders, who we'll see this week, have a guy named Munford, who they drafted in like the sixth or seventh round, and he's a borderline starter for them. And I think the Patriots wanted him, but I'm not exactly sure of that. Um, Sean Wade, uh, not good in this game. And I'm going to leave the low-hanging fruit of Trent Brown, and I'm going to go with Kyle Duggar. I didn't Kyle Duggar missed some tackles in this game. I didn't, I don't really think he stood out at all. I don't remember very many plays that he made in this game. Um, so uh, I thought this was not a good performance from Duggar. Before I give you one or two other names on the down list, I did forget. I think it's fair to mention Pierre strong and Kevin Harris yep. who have not played at all this year for the most part put into a very difficult position on the road, ready to play. Pierre had that big time 44 yard run. Kevin Harris had that nice drive with, with, you know, finished with his touchdown. So props to, to the two rookie running backs who, who showed up on Monday and were ready to play and, and came up with some, some pretty big gains when the offense absolutely needed it. Nelson Aguilar has to be on the down list. And John o. Smith is again, MIA. And uh, I, I don't know, man, I've, I've lost all hope for John o. Smith to be any kind of impact to this offense. And I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's all on him again. It's, it's up to the coaching staff to understand what a player's strengths and weaknesses are and to put that player in a position to succeed as much as that player can. And I still think there's at least a handful of times a game, you can get the football to John o. Smith and let his athleticism take over but they just, they just don't do it. So I, it is what I it think is. you're wrong. <laughs> I think he's, this is two different coaching staffs. It's it, he's, he, he's not good. I mean, you basically have to hand him the ball and even that doesn't work. Cause we saw him fumble on his way into the end zone doing that. But we've seen yeah. 
what I what I would say is we've seen him make at least a few plays, and he made plays in Tennessee. Like it's not like he was a complete zero in Tennessee. Tennessee figured out a way how to utilize him. I'm not telling you he's he's very good. They obviously overpaid him. They obviously would love to go back in time and not give him that deal. But you can't yep. tell me that they, you know, you, you go games with this guy. You go weeks with this guy catching like two passes. Like that's to me inexcusable. I'm not saying he's going to catch six or seven balls a game, but I mean, you got to figure out what he does. Look at his Tennessee tape and say, okay, what well, what can we do to kind of get him going and get him a couple of touches here and there? Like get something out of the guy. Uh, but yeah, again, he's, he's not, he's not, anything to write home about all right before we get to the bsj member question of the day let's get to bet online bet online remains your number one sports for all your sports betting this season everything from nfl and bowl season to esports and the world cup which the second semifinal will be kicking off soon you always find the latest odds team matchup info player news and game trends at bet online bet online features live betting free contests and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable we're the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus with your first deposit make sure to use our promo code clns50 to receive your rewards bet online where the game starts and and by the way before we get into this i just want to say if you're looking for a gift if you want to support the pod if you want to support bsj me best thing to do go over to bsj get a get a gift subscription you just go on there fill out your stuff boom you send it off with an email and they're ready to roll that day uh within minutes so uh give us a look over there yeah it'd be a great gift either for yourself or for somebody that you love, that, you know, enjoys sports and sports coverage in Boston. Um, b- before we get into your thoughts uh, on, on what's going on with, with Connor Ryan and, 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 and at BSJ uh, congratulations to Connor. I know you're going to say some words here, Greg. Uh, and, and the BSJ member question of the day has to do with, you know, young journalists and people that are, that are looking to get a job because Greg is hiring right now. Connor, Connor left. Um, again, Greg will, will say his piece on that. And uh, there's a position, there's a position open at BSJ. So to cover the Bruins. So with that in mind, Greg, take the floor. So uh, yeah, first of all, congratulations to Connor Ryan, who's done tremendous work for us over at BSJ covering the Bruins and sort of filling in. He's been great. And, you know, while we're sad to see him go, um, you know, excited that he gets an opportunity and that he's another example of another person using the platform that we have at BSJ to further his career. And so, you know, look, we're not, we're not the New York Yankees. Okay. We're more like the Tampa Bay Rays. We have, we have a budget and uh, you know, we're running a business and you know, there's a certain threshold that we can go to. And if other people find better opportunities, better pay and better situations, all, all, all the better for them and uh, can't thank Connor enough. And uh, I know he's going to do great. And, you know, so like you said, we do have a Bruins opening. I put it out on Twitter and I just had to rant for a couple of minutes and Nick, you, you know, you've, you own a bar, you've run radio stations. Like I'm sure you've gone through this, but I mean, it's just, it's just unbelievable to me. It's eye opening when, especially dealing with the, 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 the young generation, of people where, you know, first of all, I'm getting tweets back to say like, all right, well, where can I email you? This is a reporting position. Like 
if you can't figure out where to email me, you're off the list. Like you shouldn't have to ask that. Like <laughs> this is, you know, reporting is about finding things that people can't readily find. Like just do a little bit of digging. Right. But the biggest thing is, it's like, I look at some people have sent me stuff. Okay. And I understand links to videos or podcasts and stuff like that, but links to stories, some of these, they just send the URL. So I have to get on there. Like, you go copy paste like no i'm not you should not expect anybody to click on anything for a reporting position where you know writing is 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 the biggest part of this like like use your head like think like i, I just don't understand it like i don't want to i don't want to click on anything i don't want to have to copy and paste like you should send me a letter your resume and like five or six clips of your best stuff in PDF form. So I just click on it and I read through it real quick. Like if you're, and some people, Nick are, Oh, here's my, here's my blog. Or like, here's my personal webpage. All my stuff is over here. Pfft, screw that. I'm not going to anybody's webpage. Like bring me, if you want a job, bring me the information as quickly as possible because otherwise you're eliminated off the bat. Like, I, I don't know what you do you, if you deal with this, Nick, but to me, it's unbelievable. Yeah. So I had to, uh, I had to hire three full-time positions in June. So I, I went through a lot of this kind of process. I was hiring a writer. I was hiring a digital lead who would be the manager of the digital department. And I was hiring a co-host to, to host along with me in the afternoons. And yeah, I mean, it's, it, you get a lot of, you know, hey, go search this out, go search that out. What I would say is if you're looking for a job, if you're applying for a job, one of the things, aside from, you know, the resume and things that you've done and, and all, one of the most important lessons I would kind of throw out there to any young aspiring journalist or media personality, content creator, whatever the hell we're calling these people now, including myself. I don't know what we call ourselves now. <laughs> But if you're looking for one of these jobs, make it as easy as possible um, for the for the person who's hiring at that position to get your stuff. And and I, people might hear Greg and they might be like, "Oh, he's you know he's bitching about clicking on a URL." Here's the thing: when, when you have a position, there's a lot of people that want to work in the media, radio, writing. What they want to work in the media. Yeah. I mean, what it's, it's fun. There's a lot of BS that, that Greg and I do go through, but we're not complaining. It's, it's fun to cover sports. So a lot of people want these positions and there's not a lot of positions that are open. You know, I was, I was talking to Kelly, my wife, like last week about, you know, the big picture, when you look at the job that I have, like, I literally, I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate. I have a job that, you know, less than like a hundred people have given the, the, the two positions that I've been carrying the last year and, you know, top 30 mark and stuff like that. Like, these are these are difficult jobs to find. So when an opening happens like Greg has right now about the Bruins, you get flooded. You you get you get so many people reaching out. You get so much for me, so much, yep. you know, MP3 and video and audio. And and I'm telling you, when we you know, when Greg and, and I or any decision maker in this business has an opening they have a, an allotted amount of time to go into their email, read stuff, figure out who this person is. And if you've got 30 emails, if you've got 40 emails, whatever the number is, even if you have 10 emails and you have earmarked like a half hour to go through some of those, 
every extra step that you ask the hiring manager to do is going to be a shot at you, even if you didn't mean it, because it's like uh, you're, you, you're literally trying to get to the information as fast as possible. So you're going to skip through if, if there's three or four steps to get to your stuff, I'm going to get to the next email because that person just had their MP3 in there and I can click it and listen to the segment versus, Oh, this is the website. And then you can go to the podcast page. And like, so that's what I would say. Well, one, one bit of advice for anybody trying to get into the, the media, you know, sports media field make it as easy as possible for the people who are hiring because it's a long process. There's a lot of people who apply and you want to make sure that you get the best opportunity for that person to, to read or, or hear your stuff or, or see your stuff. So that would be my bit of advice. That's I it. agree. And it's, that, uh, Greg it's, podcast? it's, 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 it's unbelievable. I mean, I just can't, I can't imagine, like, you know, I always just wanted to lay it right there. I want to make it easy so that people could say, like, boom. All right, this guy's this guy or gal has it together. They're serious about this. They have their stuff in a row. Like, you know, otherwise, it's, it's too easy just to shove you aside and be like, nope, I'm not putting – I only have a finite amount of time. If you're going to waste my time, it's not a good sign. He's Greg Bedard. I'm Nick Cattles, Greg Bedard, Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles brought to you by athletic greens and BetOnline.ag. Uh, we're back. We're going to, we're going to actually record our next pod in like 24 hours. So we're going to be right back. Uh, and, and you guys will get the uh, McDaniels reunion preview coming up Raiders Patriots until then be well. <laughs> <laughs> 